Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you know? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield and we'll see them. What you doing down here, you shawnee man? You're very welcome to the Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast with all my debit and Kieran Murphy. Ken Early is wrapping up his holidays, Murphy's. Folding his beach towel. Folding his beach towel is what I was uh, using for. Uh, certainly take and, it. And uh, coming home. He'll be back next week. Today, I'm going to... Murphy, I'm going to offer you... I haven't given you one for a while. A tip for the top. Oh, okay. Okay, go on. Hit me. Your last one was Joe Wilfred Tsonga, about six years into his tennis career, as I recall. <laughs> and he's been hit and miss so far but he's had yep. his moments uh, he's had pretty much the same level as he was <laughs> when you tipped him for greatness my tip for the top comes from the Premier League season starts okay. in a couple of weeks time Everton Football Club Murph okay Everton Football Club they do say football oh, club a lot generally. on Merseyside they always add the football club bit to you're tipping the football club as a whole rather than I thought you were I thought you were kind of zooming I was basically my brain was a Google map there mm-hmm. and you had said Everton Football Club and I was expecting you to continue to zoom in. Oh, no, no. Just so Everton, it's like yeah. greater city of Merseyside, Everton Football Club, into the dressing room, then into someone's corner. Then I see the face okay, of... Okay, well, if you want to do that, you see the face of Ross Barkley. Okay. But I'd like to just zoom you a little to the left where you see the face of Romelu Lukaku. Okay. Both of them beaming, having signed big money contracts. Yeah, okay. In Lukaku's case, a permanent deal. Uh, £28 million today. That's like signing a new player. And re-signing Ross Barkley. Mm. is like signing a new player. Um, so they kinda, they've kind of they signed two new players, albeit one of them has been with them since he was a mm. kid and the other one has been with them on loan. So it's good stuff and I, just, I think they're, they're flying. See, I love Ross Barkley for a start. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, uh, he's a top, top player. I've bought into the hype machine. We're going to chat to Kevin Sheedy on the show. He's coaching, of course, with their academy, has been for a number of years. We're going to have a quick chat with him later on about what it means for the club and his own role in developing Barkley and developing the young talent there. I'm also going to ask him, just about Lukaku because that sort of a signing is great and it maybe points to 
big days ahead for Everton. But I don't know how good that is necessarily for the academy, whether or not that takes away a chance of a younger player getting through, as is the case in some of the uh, top two or three clubs. Alone. If my tip for the top works, Murph, mm-hmm. could be Everton in that top two or three bracket by the end of the year. And we're talking about Louis van Gaal's impact so far at Man United. Judging by some of the breathless reporting of his time, so far at the club, I don't know if he even needs to start the Premier League season. The guy the only has it, thing, all. The worst, it all. The worst thing he can do now is to manage the team up until the start of the Premier League season. I mean, it's it's only downhill from here. I mean, the guys... <laughs> I mean, it is only three weeks, I suppose, since he got a really, well, quite poor Netherlands team. Didn't have much of a midfield, didn't have much of a defence. Got them to a World Cup semi-final. I mean, he's done all right. Mm-hmm. Uh now he's won three friendly games on the bounce, mm-hmm. one of them on penalties. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's training. He's uh, talking confidently about his abilities as a manager. I mean, there's nothing he can't do, apparently. Um, so, yeah, I mean, why would he want the season to start? Well, it's going to start pretty soon. The Guardian's Daniel Harris joins us to talk about this. Uh, just, uh, Daniel, a piece that you wrote in May on the appointment of Van Hal. You said that he is, you reckon he was a good fit. He's united all over, even if he fails. That's what you said at the time. There's certainly no failing yet. He hasn't put a foot wrong so far, as Murph has alluded to. Do you still feel that he's united all over? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that if you look at the people who've succeeded at United, which was what I kind of dealt with in the piece, um, Matt Busby, Tommy Doherty, Alex Ferguson, they're not all the same bloke, but they have some very similar characteristics. And um, they have the charisma to inspire players. They're likeable. Um, they also often have had a track record. Matt Busby, not so much, but Fergie had a track record in Scotland. Tommy Doherty had also had success elsewhere. But it's the ability to envelop a club with a presence And if you look through the managers who have succeeded in various places and who haven't, then certain personalities do well in certain kinds of job and certain skills do well in certain kinds of jobs. So Mick McCarthy, for example, used to be great at getting clubs promoted. Um, Wasn't so good at keeping them up once they got promoted, but he was good at getting them there. Tony Pulis is good at keeping them there, as we saw at Stoke and we saw at Palace last season. And And so certain skills... Uh, transferable to certain jobs but it doesn't mean if you're good at one thing you're good at another thing but Van Gaal I think has shown through his career that he has the ability to dominate a club and to inspire players and that's the kind of thing that you need at the top end I think. And that dominating personality has been pretty clear already I think even before the Premier League kicks off I mean we've seen he's already maybe fired the first shots at the corporate side of things uh, in insisting that it's going to be a more curtailed tour next year. He's even talked about his own player, Luke Shaw, maybe not having the right fitness levels and just talked quite in depth in the one big interview that he's given about various aspects of the club that maybe others might feel a little bit less inclined to be so vocal about so early on. Well, I think he's in a situation where United need him more than he needs them. His, his, his career isn't dependent on this job. So if he fails, then he still won the European Cup with Ajax. He still won the league with Aze and all the rest of it. And whereas United cannot afford financially another failure, and ultimately the owners of United aren't bothered about the prestige of the failure or not. It's whether financially they can afford to keep taking out as much money as they are doing. So Van Gaal knows that. And he's also, I think, 
that kind of bloke because, uh, I mean, he's also been sticking it to the press. He was sticking it to the press about United before he'd even taken the job. And uh, it's back to that kind of personality that we were talking about just a second ago that um, that I think that United would see itself as, uh, if you look at the people, even not just the managers who've done well at United, but the players, Roy Keane, Eric Cantona, are people who weren't overly given to accepting things that they didn't like from other people, particularly if they didn't like those other people. He may be sticking it to the press, but they seem to be loving him so far. Is he's, I, mean, I saw him getting praise in One Piece for playing small-sided games and using the ball, which I would have thought was a fairly basic... But I'm being a bit unfair there because the point was that this time last year, David Moyes, the lads probably weren't seeing a football. David Moyes was just running them into the ground. Is he maybe uh, benefiting from, by comparison with his predecessor? Uh, well, to deal with the first bit first, I think that the press have got to cover United. So anyone who makes it interesting them, they're going to kind of like until it becomes too personal. And even when it is personal. So with Fergie, it was sort of a bit of a joke with how many people he'd banned amongst the press. Yeah. Ah, ha, 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 it's Fergie being Fergie. And you saw it with, say, Arsene Wenger, who kind of came over and, um, as Scott Murray's brilliant line, invented broccoli. Because the thing about Wenger was he was someone else. He was different to what was there before. He was good at his job. And he, when you ask Wenger a straight question, he actually gives you an answer. And, I, and even Harry Redknapp's another one who's like that, who gets a good write-up from the press because he doesn't bore them. But as far as Van Gaal goes, I mean, I think in the first instance, he's got gravitas. And I suppose that's as good a point as any to cross over to the second bit of the question yeah. that concerns David Moyes. And Van Gaal is everything that Moyes wasn't and isn't. And it's been that case, been that way from the beginning. If you think about, for example, how the players at United would have been feeling, they lost a much-loved, much-respected boss in Fergie and would probably, for about the 10 minutes before the news broke where it was going to be Moyes, thought that they were getting Mourinho, who is, again, someone who lots of his players have loved him. Pretty much everyone has loved him until he got to Madrid. So they're expecting this other great manager to turn up, and actually David Moyes turns up. And not only is it the bloke from Everton who they would never have thought of in the first place, but very quickly they don't like him, then things go wrong. And so why would they trust him to make them right when it's much easier for them to blame him for them going wrong in the first place? But he's more, I mean, it's, it's not just that particular aspect. I mean, Van Gaal's charismatic. We've seen already that he's compelling. He's certain. He's decisive. So, for example, he's looked at the squad and said, right, this is how I'm going to play. I'm going to teach the players to play this way. And he's done that. Whereas it took Moyes all season to not fix upon personnel or formation. Um, and then, I mean, you kind of think in Van Gaal's first press conference at United was this great virtuoso performance, whereas Moyes' first press conference as United manager was complaining about the fixture list, saying that they can't believe that's the way the balls came out the bag. Whereas Van Gaal <laughs> is the kind of manager who showed his balls to his players. And uh, that's maybe a nice distillation of the difference between the two. Yeah, it really is. Their balls. <laughs> yeah, it's about as clear a distillation as it can possibly be, uh, I guess, Daniel. But th- interestingly, he himself, when he in one of the questions, this was um, pounced upon in the interview earlier in the week, he was, was put to him that, look, you're taking over at a good time. Expectations are lower. He says, I don't think so. When you have to make it, when you are involved in a club, the place from first position, now you're seventh you know the selection is balanced or it's not balanced, it's broken, or the confidence or something like that is wrong. So he was maybe given an easy out there and decided to say, no, uh, I actually would have preferred to take the team over when they were first. But from the outside when looking in, better, yes, yeah, yeah, from the outside looking in, I can see where the question came from. And that's what everybody's saying. Expectations are now lower. But as an egotistical coach, such as he is, maybe he's thinking, well, no, I just want the best players and I would have had a stronger squad a year ago. 
Yeah, I think that with someone like Van Gaal, the pressure that comes from outside sources is never going to be as significant as the pressure he puts on himself. And he knows that he's under pressure to succeed. And I think that rather than say, well, he can't, he's got to do better than seventh. If he doesn't do very much better than seventh, then there's no point having him. I think that most people are expecting United to finish at least in the top four. But really, um, especially if he's allowed to sign a couple more players, then they should be challenging for the title, particularly given that there's no Europe. And if you also... I mean, people, we laughed at David Moyes for saying that he w- wasn't pleased with the way the fixtures were and everyone has, every team has to play every other team twice. But the kind of start that Van Gaal has, if he could win the first seven or eight games or come close to winning them all, just as the other teams are starting to become mired in European football, then he's actually got a better chance of winning the league than uh, people are suggesting that he might have. And I'm sure he thinks that he can win the league. When he says that he trains, uh, in, his training is in the brains and not the legs, is that the kind of thing that players like to hear? Or in in Britain, in the Premier League, is there still the, the old-fashioned idea is still clung to that you're really supposed to, you know, you, you work hard and you get fitter and you get stronger than everybody else? Well, I think that he was sort of making a point there rather than that being what he actually thinks, because, uh, I mean, we've seen him tell Luke Shaw that he needs to get fitter, which kind of is quite shaming for the rest of us when you look at the state of Luke Shaw and you look at the state of us. But I think that what he means by that is that it's not just a matter of running around playing football. It's a matter of not. And I don't think when he says he'll train them in the head, I don't even think it's just a matter of this is how you should play football, but he'll create the kind of environment in which people are successful. And the mood around the club is clearly very different from anyone that you speak to. And that's partly to do with not Moyes being there, I'm afraid, but also to do with Van Gaal being there. Because when you bring in someone like that, then the players automatically expect to do better because they've obviously blamed Moyes for their failings of last season. But also he's someone that you can trust him because his CV is better than most of theirs. And they have pretty good CVs too. It sounds like you're very excited about things, Daniel, this season in terms of Manchester United. Um, I mean, I'm generally excited about the football season because, uh, well, first of all, there hasn't been one for about 10 minutes now. <laughs> but also as a United supporter, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how Van Gaal does. And I'm excited in the kind of things that come with Van Gaal because um, the article that we mentioned at the beginning, I mean, the, what I said at the bottom of that, that the one thing that United should never be is boring. And um, the people that have done best at United understood that. And uh, I think Van Gaal understands that as well, that at no, at no point, I mean, some games are sometimes boring, that's inevitable, but the general package of entertainment and pleasure and joy and aggression and all those things that make us love football, you're going to get all of that with Van Gaal. And if you look at the teams in England this season, for the next season coming, I think you're going to get that from Chelsea, you're going to get it from Arsenal, you're going to get it from Liverpool, you're going to get it from Manchester City. And I think actually, that I, mean, I might be wrong here, and I could look very silly for saying this, but English football to me is at the beginning of an upswing now. After a few years where the teams that were winning the league were really not all that good, and the competition wasn't all that good, certainly at the top end, I think we're now seeing that the better teams are going to become quite a lot better and I think actually might start to do something sensible in Europe again. Okay, we'll see. Listen, Daniel Harris, great to talk to you. Thanks a million. No problem. Bye-bye. I knew the place. Clough, that he calls me Rabbi, didn't know them. He said to me, what can you do that the boss hasn't done? You the boss. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. 
but there's no way you can win it better. Why not? Only, no, 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 no. But that's the only hope we're, we're, I've got. We're doing, we're doing lots of matches. But that, well, I can only love three. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. Fluff, pity calls me Ravi. Good luck. Now that might that might be you know aiming for utopia, and it might be might mean being a little bit stupid, but that is the way I am. I'm a little bit stupid regarding this type of thing. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. There's some great stuff in that interview. I do recommend people. I'm sure a lot of you have already read the thing, but there's there are a few telling. I guess, exchanges between himself and the journalist. I won't say she says that he announced his intentions in October to go to England so that all of the English clubs knew and then I had more offers than just Manchester United. So he's asked, how did you announce it? And he says, yeah, in October I announced it. I said it 10 minutes before a press conference as coach of the, ne- the Netherlands. They were very angry that I did it. They said it was unbelievable that I could say that before the World Cup. And I said that was bullshit because the pressure I put on myself is higher than the press ever do, which goes back to something that Daniel said. He said that exact, made that exact point that Van Hal's pressure is an internal one and he doesn't actually need this Manchester United mm. job. And certainly everything he has said so far leads you to believe that were he for some bizarre reason to be sacked in the morning, he wouldn't be losing too much sleep over it. Certainly not the payoff he'd be getting, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, and it, it as Daniel was talking about there as well, it's all in direct contrast to what was going on at this time last year when David Moyes was still thanking everyone for the chance to do the job. And after a while, that just gets a bit pathetic. You know? It's like... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why you'd... Um, yeah, I mean, there, there are analogies you could draw with, say, interpersonal relationships where if you keep thanking someone for being in the relationship, after a while, you know, that person is just... Is that be. how it works? Do people thank... The, does one partner thank the other? Well, when one is particularly needy, <laughs> then yes. Uh, and particularly grateful for this opportunity. I'd just like to thank <laughs> it's you... It's an honour to be in this relationship. ...for deigning to allow me to be in this relationship. Uh, for however brief, you know... It's something that you can't take away from me now. I'm just happy to be here. Just delighted to be here. So um, I think that's not a very sexy thing. And uh, I think Louis van Gaal realises this. It's been an amazing week at Everton. And we're joined, I'm delighted to say, by Kevin Sheedy, who is involved with the academy coaches there now. And at the moment is over in Durban, I know, Kevin, for uh, an underage, under-19 tournament there. Now, I mentioned earlier on, Ross Barkley has signed up a new long-term deal and also this Romelu Lukaku full-time signing is a permanent signing is a massive deal as well. Just on Barkley, first of all, because he came right through your academy there, is that the ultimate achievement for you and for the rest of the people working there? Get a player to that level, have him play in the World Cup at such a young age and then commit his future to the club? Yeah, well, the, uh, the ultimate for the, for the academy is it's a big place for the, the first team. Um, I see my role obviously is doing that, but also uh, if the players are in the first team, we, we'd like to get them at the clubs at whatever level their ability gets them. So, you know, I get as much pleasure for Ross making his debut as other players, if it, you know, for, for, for lower league clubs. It's an all round that, you know, Ross Barkley comes along, you know, once every brew room, uh, that's Wayne Rooney, Jack Rod will have the same. You knew they were going to be top, you know, from the minute you saw them. Uh, the other the other players, you know, it takes slightly a little bit longer to develop, but they've also, you know, we've got a great nucleus of players in the academy, and and we're hopeful of producing more players. It's a good point you raised, Kevin, because you're uh, you're employed by Everton, and as you say, yeah, I de- every everyone's in a blue moon. You'll get a Ross Barkley, but what you're saying is the majority of players just don't make it into the first team at a Premiership club. But you take equal pride in in setting guys on their way, hopefully to a professional career, even if it might be initially at a slightly lower level. Indeed, and that's what we say to the players. Obviously, uh, we we try and get their um, 
technical ability is as good as they can be, and obviously some will play at a higher level than others. But um, you try and make them the best players that they can be, and uh, the job is to get them for, into Everton's first team, but also to have value. But if they do want to go to other clubs, uh, they, you know, they're, 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 you're getting transfer fees for them. You've been back at Everton since 2006. Did you, did you and do you have a very clear philosophy on how you want those players actually playing the game? Indeed. Um, as I mentioned before, it's not about results. It's about playing the right style of football. Is, is giving the players as many touches of the ball as they can uh, and develop them, making them into better players. Um, so we don't play long balls. You know, We play proper football from the back uh, through midfield and, and up to our strikers. Uh, so we try and make the players, you know, um, and the big key is that if they do lose possession of the ball, um, you know, we, we have to, to go on the ball again. We, you know, we don't criticise because that sends the players' confidence. So we really do get a, try to make a good environment for the players to feel comfortable in, to blossom and allow the, you know, nurture the talents that they've got. It sounds like you're the type of coach a lot of young players would like to have because at various levels of the game, in the UK and Ireland particularly, I think, there's such a competitive element to it. Parents get a bit over-involved and coaches maybe try to be a little bit too competitive. Um, it, it sounds like that's something that you feel quite strongly about is, is not the right way to do it, that you shouldn't focus too much on, on critiquing players too harshly at too young an age. I think one thing takes after another. I think if you've got good players and you're teaching them the right habits and they're, they're playing well, then you've got to teach them a winning mentality. So if it's a happy medium where we don't go out to win the game at any means, we're playing football with good players. And if you play the right way, then the results will follow. Uh, but we prefer to, to do football first and then the results will follow after that. Is there such a thing as a player being overcoached, Kevin? This is something that I've heard raised in recent times, that players start out with natural skill and there's a possibility that they can have that coached out of them or drilled out of them. Is that a fear? Um, well, I think it depends on the individual coach. Uh, my philosophy is I like the, the players to play. I don't have a coach them. Um, I put them in situations where they have to make decisions. I think the big key in football is decision-making. And I think the more you put young players into positions or situations where they've got to make decisions, you'll find that the players will work it out and make more good decisions than, than not so good. So I think it's, it's creating an environment. And not, it's not about the coach. It's about make, getting the best out of the players. The more that they have the ball defeat, uh, the more they're encouraged to make decisions. I think uh, ultimately, as it's proven, I feel it's, at Everton, it's, it's right. You mentioned Roberto Martinez earlier on. Does he take an active interest in what you guys do, or is he just first team coach, just waits to, to see what arrives at his door, essentially? The academy, uh, he's, he's watched a few of our games. Uh, he complimented, complimented the style of play that we, we, we played. Uh, we played the right way from the back. Um, and, at the, you know, he's, he's not. Um, He's not had to sort of, you know, he's really keen on the youngsters. And as we've seen through a few of the players, he's keen to give the young players an opportunity. And I think Everton is is a best for young player to be now with the managers in place. And um, he's looking to to play young players and he's not fighting to young players in. You you criticised his predecessor, David Moyes, I think at one stage, Kevin, for maybe not being quite as involved. Um, that's sort of something that has been in the past so I'd, I'd prefer to, to look on the future and as I say I can only speak with uh, about what the new manager and the, he certainly um, you know, the opportunity to the young players The signing of Lukaku for the sort of money we're talking 25 million it's reported as signing to 28 uh, does this signify and it's being reported in this way today is, is the, the club in general a couple of things on that is the club in general do you think as close to where it was when you were playing for them 
as it has been since those days? Um, I, I certainly, the, the style of football is played. I mean, the atmosphere at the grounds is, is uh, I can only think of back to when I was playing a successful team. The atmosphere was uh, was really good. Um, you find that the supporters aren't leaving the matches before the end because they're really enjoying the football being played. It's winning football. And, um, you know, the, the managers getting the best out of our uh, top-class players. And the other prong to that is, does it worry you at all that Everton uh, make a signing like that when you're involved with the young players is there always in the back of your mind the fear that that takes away maybe one place that could ultimately go to a younger guy coming through? Um, no, the young players ready. I mean, I think you've got to be, you've got to have a fine balance where you've got to have top players in your in your first team that's going to compete and get the club into Europe, which it is at the moment, and ultimately, hopefully, the Champions League. So you can have the top players to be able to do that. But I think what the important thing is that you don't have two biggest sporting clubs where it's nigh on impossible for younger players to break through because uh, the first team has probably got 40 players, 40 or more players, and it's really tough for young players. Where at Everton, uh, I think it's the right balance where we've got top-class players, but there is still the opportunity for young lads to break through. Well, Kevin, we're glad it's going so well for you there. You've got a book out called So Good, I Did It Twice, which is out this year. And listen, we appreciate chatting to you, uh, fr- you chatting to us, I should say, from Durban. Best of luck in the tournament. Thanks very much, Owen. Hairdryer is, is a metaphor for the current of hot air generated by a furious blast of temper. The hairdryer with which uh, Alex Ferguson was famously associated. He threw a hairdryer, I think, at David Beckham. I was told that he threw a hairdryer at David Beckham. Uh, in the, is that right? No, 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 no. It's interesting that Kevin seems to he didn't want to take too much credit himself in the academy for uh, for Barkley. I mean, they massively would deserve credit for developing that player, but uh, it seems that himself or Rooney will maybe come along just every every once in a while. Anyway, maybe coaches of players take a little bit more pride in the slightly lesser talented guys anyone who's at Everton is going to have a certain level of talent but just making sure that they, they maximise that and it seems as though the biggest the big deal is to have a career as much as make, having guys who are complete superstars yeah yeah. The, the more credit we had for you know producing a Darren Fletcher than there is for Ryan Giggs mm. uh, I mean I don't know I think there's yeah I'm not sure if, we, if I even think that's fair I think Guys like Sheedy and everybody else involved, anyone who ever came across Ross Barkley should take great pride yeah. in the fact that they... Because players can have all the talent they want. They need to be... Exactly. I mean, I think the amount, the amount of pitfalls currently put in front of uh, hugely gifted 15, 16-year-olds, I mean, I think it doesn't matter how gifted you are. There's still a huge amount of very careful surrogate parenting that needs to go on there, quite apart from the coaching and the technical side of the game. Uh, for you to take as all the credit going for Ross Barkley signing a contract like he did this week. Kevin Sheedy had a slightly different um, introduction to professional football, played for Hereford United, asked his headmaster at school, could he take mornings off to go training? And his headmaster could see so clearly that he wanted to be a f- professional footballer, he said, yeah, okay. <laughs> so he took his mornings off, going to train with Hereford, got to the point that he was signed by Liverpool in 1978, European champions Liverpool. Funny enough, in the book, Kevin says that he didn't really want to sign for them and just did it partly because he felt he should. These are the European champions, even though Bob Paisley got his name wrong when they were shaking on the deal. Uh, and at one point, he's ready to pull out of it. But the guy involved with Hereford, who was with them, said, listen, you know, old Hereford United need this to go through here, Kevin. We're getting 50 grand or whatever it might be. Listen, we'll, we'll get you a lovely car. We'll buy you a nice car. If you do this, we've got got one ready for you. They're gleaming. It'll be beautiful. It'll be amazing. Kevin says, 
All right, I might as well get a car out of this on top mm. of whatever. Field. Joining the European yeah. Champions. So a week or so later, he rings the club and he's like, where's his car um, I'm supposed to have? And they're oh, yeah, yeah, it's on the way. And eventually, I don't know if they brought him to some place or they brought the car to him, but some totally beat up old banger arrived. And Kevin Sheedy said, thanks, but no thanks. So slightly sour ending. He doesn't sound too put out all these years later about it. But mm. at the time, it's kind of annoying if you think you have a nice new set of wheels. And yeah. then you don't. But you are On the other hand, you know, you are about to join the European Champions, so... I don't know many 18-year-olds who would have to be bribed with a new or even a beat-up old car to join the European Champions. We have another new show ready for you today. John Kavanagh, coach to Conor McGregor uh, and a bunch of other um, MMA fighters. Three of the other guys are involved in the UFC card. A couple of weeks back, he's really the pioneer in many ways of the sport in this country and particularly at a coaching level. He's... uh, He's a hugely passionate guy, very interesting guy to talk to. And we spoke about the positives of the story so far and also maybe some of the negatives just in terms of the overhyping. Or I certainly put it to him that there's a danger of overhyping Conor McGregor. And you can have a listen if you want to see how he responded to all of that. We also had Usheen McConville and Anthony Moyles looking ahead to the uh, quarterfinals this weekend and the couple of qualifiers. Ken is back next week. We'll have loads of great football shows for you then. In the meantime, thanks very much, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thanks very much for listening and do pop us a message on sec- uh, Twitter at secondcaptains, facebook.com forward slash secondcaptains, secondcaptains at irishtimes.com. Any of those means of communication will do the job. We'll chat to you again soon. Take care. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys.